Oh, I can't wait. I really cannot. Yeah. It'll be good. It's going to be amazing. Oh, well, welcome to Practical Shooting After Dark. Here we are. We're ready for a bang-up podcast, right, Joel? Of course. Aren't they all? <laughs> all right. Uh, on deck tonight, we've got uh, the professors in the house. Hello. Uh, Joel Park, you just heard him. Hello. And uh, Matt Hopkins is also here. Hi. Oh, this is great. We got, uh, well, we got two matches to talk about on this podcast. We do. Anyway, so which, which one do we want to talk about first, guys? Let's do the one that happened first, so Iowa. All right, Iowa section. So, you know, I wasn't there, so I'm relying on uh, Matt and Joel to tell me all about it. So, uh, so take it away, Matt. Iowa, Iowa sectional hosted by uh, some club in Iowa. It's in Ankeny, Ankeny. Ankeny, Iowa. I don't know what their club name is. I know where it's at, though. It's like Isaac Walton. Well, okay, yeah. Joel knows it. It's in Ankeny, Iowa, so just a suburb north of Des Moines. Uh, state match we've been attending for quite a while, I have. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a pretty good setup. They have a Friday staff shoot, and then they have a Saturday full-day shoot, and then a Sunday full-day shoot. So I think that's a little out of the norm for state matches, if you guys have kind of seen, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. this match, it's worth explaining. This match fills to capacity in probably, I don't know, 24 to 48 hours. Yeah, easily within one day, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt, maybe it's worth talking about the range is a little bit unique. Yep, that's what I was going to say, why they have so many sure. different Sorry, days of shooting. Yeah. I'll shut up. No, it's fine. Uh, the range is set up where they have five large bays. And that's why they have to have two different flights of shooters on it, because they can't hold the number of shooters based on the number of bays they have. And people might think that five bays equal five stages, right? Or Uh you can assume that. This match doesn't do that. Like they've done in years past, they have Chrono on one of the like skeet ranges, and then they have like a real short burner stage on a side berm that's not kind of like considered a full enclosed berm and then they have two stages on each of the five large bays Uh, they had a steel stage on one of them which took tons of time so they just didn't put a double on that one Um, so that's why they have five squads per day and they have roughly 15 shooters per squad right i think so something like that yeah and that's why they go with two full days of shooting compared to normally like 10 different squads and 10 different stages on a normal what you consider a normal stage or range i agree um one of the things i like about that like matt said the bay setup may not seem the most desirable but that does actually guarantee that you're going to have a variety of stages so you're going to always have a long course and then like a short or medium course on every bay so kind of like what Matt said, there'll be a field course in the very back of the bay. And then along the side, kind of angled, there'll be something where it's, I don't know what, as slow as maybe eight rounds and maybe up to 16, 18, something like that. You've got kind of short and medium courses. So that gives you a variety, which I think is really good. Uh, kind of a balanced test of skills. Yep. I think another thing with Iowa, you know, you'll always get an all steel stage there, at least mm-hmm. the last several years. Uh, they had that. It was actually pretty massive compared to the years past, wouldn't you say? Yes, for sure. Very large, very probably the average steel distance was 
over 15 yards? Uh, maybe 10 to 15. Uh, Somewhere in there. Those little poppers are 28 yards, so. All right, then. And there was like 12 of them like that, so that could affect the uh, the average. Anyway, they you could start basically anywhere, like left or right side. They had some close poppers. They had full-size poppers at like eight yards you could take on the move. They had 28-yard mini poppers. They had a port where you had to open it with a hand and hold it open at normal level. So you like you could hold the port open and then shoot strong hand only with six poppers. Or you could prone out and shoot it freestyle. So they kind of left that option. and It was an option. I didn't see anybody go prone, but they said people did. Um, um, they had a wobbly bridge. They had some... They had a bunch of moving targets in this match that I've not seen there before. Lots of swingers. Um, yeah. They had timing targets where you had to like shoot a row of steel and one of the poppers in there activated a swinger over the top. So all you could see it over the top. Uh, it was pretty fast actually too compared to other stuff. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing that's really worth talking about is the officiating. So when you they have all their bays set up for Wi-Fi, so when you hit approve, it just automatically syncs it. You get an email right away. So you get an email receipt with your scores. They had actually like a laser printer on the yeah. base that you actually printed out your scores on a sheet of paper. But by the time you hit approve in the tablet and you're like walking back to, you know, get your crap and pick up your magazines and stuff. If you check the competitor app, your scores were already in there, like before yeah. you get back to your range bag. So if you want to track the scores, you want to know what's up, you want to verify them, that's really cool. Um, another thing that I think is very noteworthy is their staff. I mean, I've said it before. An easy way to say it is they all row in the same direction. Um, I like that. I talked to one of the one of the guys in charge, the range master. They actually had a meeting on staff. It was like 30 minutes, uh, he said, of just how to use overlays, when to use overlays, and talked about scoring targets appropriately and accurately. And I think that's worth mentioning because... Well, not all ROs at all matches understand when to use overlays and how to use overlays. Um, so I think that's I think that's quite exceptional. So the scores are accurate and they're uploaded immediately and the stages have a good variety. So that's enough to sell me. Yep. On the steel stage, we had some questionable hits on poppers that did knock them over. So instead of doing the normal thing, like the RM went down, inspected it, saw obviously something was wrong, didn't worry about following the rules to a T. I guess he kind of did because it does rule that in there. But there was something wrong with the popper. Like he didn't like shoot it and then like kind of mess the shooter's score up. He just like ruled it as a range equipment malfunction. And we go on like reshoot right away. No problem. I thought that was good. I haven't seen that everywhere. But I think it's a good practice to start having. I like it. Oh, and one other thing. They had a live stream on one of the bays that was kind of mm -hmm. cool. So if you wanted to watch on, like, the social medias on Facebook, you could watch a live stream of a specific stage and kind of see all the squads go through it, which is cool. Uh, lunch was free and, free and provided. And they had a $250 uh, bullets, DG bullets. Was it? 350 350 Okay. Yeah. My bad. Uh, gift certificate that... Each squad had a random draw. So one person each squad got a gift certificate for bullets, which is pretty cool. Was the live stream done by the staff? Or No, I think it was a different crew, I think. 
Yeah, it's a it's it a like localish. A... I think they're out of the Midwest here, Iowa, Nebraska, something like that. But they have like a podcast and they have all the equipment to do live streaming. They can switch between cameras on the live feed. So they have like a static camera that kind of does an overview of the stage. And then they got a guy holding a hand cam that'll follow the shooter through the stage and they can switch live during the live broadcast. It's actually kind of neat. I didn't see this, but that sounds interesting. It wasn't wasn't just an RO standing there using his phone to stream. It was like the huge video cameras. It looked like a very legit setup. Yep. Nice. Okay. Well, good. Anyway, I think, so I think pretty much the same example. matches in years past, though, right? It yeah. is. Yep. All right. Well, moving on, uh, Wisconsin section. So, Mr. Kim, you yes. shot Wisconsin section. So, tell us about it. I definitely had a couple favorite parts about the match. So, uh, I think a lot of people who shot the match agrees that this is not a typical match. Like, for example, some local matches. I see it like level two, level three matches I go. I feel like I'm shooting just multiple local match stages in a way. I think that's actually typical. Like even at nationals, there are stages that you will see at local matches. And it feels like <laughs> almost like the, the major match is copying the local match, so to say. But this match, definitely a lot of people agreed that they're shooting something very, very new. There was one. And this match had a specific trend, uh, which is, in a way, dropping the heat factor with more shooting-related stuff rather than uh, putting a no-shoot on the target, for example. So uh, a couple trends to lower the heat factor, uh, if I say one of them was definitely, first of all, there was no no no-shoot target. But some targets were partialed by the wall or by the, the... the window, things like that. So the fault line, you had to go to like the edge of it to get the target exposed. So you had to hit a certain spots during uh, throughout the stage. So like more movement type was dragging the hit factor down rather than just putting a risky shot on it. But of course, if you don't go close to the window, the target's not fully exposed. So in a way that's more uh, risk over there too. Uh, that's definitely one thing I really liked. And vision barrier walls was really good because a lot of the walls, I personally like the see-through walls, yes, because I can see the targets through it. So when I enter the position, enter to the window, I can kind of have the red dot tracking through the wall and then shoot as it comes out. But vision barrier makes it a little bit challenge. So like it was also challenge of your walkthrough skill. In the walkthrough, if you don't exactly know where the target was, and then you think you have the gun up, but the gun wasn't actually tracking the A zone. And the target comes out and you see your dot like off centered. Now you have to bring it back. So that was definitely another challenge, uh, my favorite challenge. And the heat factor was one of the most interesting thing too. So throughout the match, uh, 10 stages, there were stages, I think two stages were hovering around eight to 10, depends on the division a little bit. and. Uh, majority of stages were hovering around five to seven and i think for me for me that was like one stage hovering four ish so below five and when the heat factor becomes for minor division uh, becomes around that region so nothing crazy above 10 all above 10 even if you're shooting minor you kind of holds everything 
So there, there's no option. But when the hit factor becomes somewhere around like five to seven, something like that, then there's a question of, hey, if I shoot this on the move, I may drop a Charlie, but they can sacrifice some shot or hit, hit factor. So like this gives people more thinking process. Hey, should I risk it or should I not? But if it's a five plus hit factor, there's no question you have to shoot on the move. So that's where it's kind of, if, you, if your strength is marksmanship, you maybe end up just punching holes in the A. If your strength is movement, you may start to shoot and try to guarantee alpha, but end up slowing down in your shooting, but moving around. So we can kind of see, this is a now interesting mathematics there for competitive shooters too. Um, moving targets, very interesting. Uh, we, we had multiple different swingers, so there was far swinger, there was medium close, and there was swingers that you have to shoot from the top or swinger that dwells. So you have to shoot in the from the side and some max traps. You can decide because max traps didn't cover entire target, but like 25% on the top, 30% left over. So if you don't like to like perfectly time the shot, you can just shoot it as a partial target instead of when it opens up. So that option, I saw a lot of like 50% shooters would activate and shoot something and then shoot at the open. A lot of the shooters also shot when it was closed. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. All right, so Wisconsin section. Uh, thank you, Kim, for the feedback. Uh, so Wisconsin section uh, had uh, me as match director, Joel as, assist as assistant match director. Joel, uh, what did you think about how it went? I think it went quite well. We got a lot of positive feedback, which was good was good uh the feedback anything else what, what are do you want to touch on a few things maybe that was different than uh what other matches maybe do well kim's analysis was in depth but um what he, he was right where uh, the stages were set up so that well for one it'd be a variety of shooting challenges in 10 each in 10 stages i wanted each stage to have like a different flavor like uh, a little bit something different you're trying to do on the long courses it was more like Find, like finding all the positions to nail all the targets. It wasn't about like also like Kim noticed, it wasn't about stacking a lot of risk onto shots. So I didn't use a whole lot of no shoots to make shots uh, necessarily harder by hammering people with penalties if they didn't pay attention. It just made it so like maybe you'd have four targets to shoot in one section of a stage, but it was three positions to shoot all of them. So it was a lot of position changes kind of dragging down the hit factor. But that was done, so uh, uh, it would kind of balance out the uh, the scoring a little bit. Mm -hmm. So that was one, you know, anyway, each each stage was built around some sort of challenge. Like uh, there's one stage where you had to prone out or very near prone and then kind of negotiate this bridge. Uh, there was a Rhodesian wall stage that kind of encouraged one-handed shooting. You didn't have to. You could do like a hook your toe under the wall and do a lean thing like you did that right kim mm -hmm. yeah you could do one of those or you could you know grab a rope and shoot one-handed uh there were stages that encouraged shooting on the move there was uh you know stages that encourage you know static shooting uh there was moving target challenges there was distance change up stuff there was i mean i tried to have as many different sorts of things in the match as possible and then get it set so the hit factors were kind of where i wanted them to i wanted to encourage people to shoot a's you know punish them for c's a little bit but not not crazy. 
Well, one thing I wanted to mention was uh, when I shot the match, it felt like I was most of the stages. I felt like I was shooting the worst shoot. So, for example, like Norwegian Wall was in 2014 worst shoot, and I only shot 2017 worst shoot. But when I was shooting the stages, I felt like, hey, this is a part where where I saw from 2014 worst shoot, and this is like what I shot at 2017 worst shoot. So there was components that I saw from the worst shoot. And I think the quality of the stages were very similar. But one other thing I guess to add is the shot difficulty where competitors said, you know, like maybe they had more misses or they they underestimated the difficulty of it. But the actual shot difficulty from just standing still static shooting, I mean, none of that stuff was that tough that every competitor there, I mean, more than likely wouldn't have had an issue making the shots. I think the toughest shot was a 15 or 18 yard kind of shoulders partial, mm -hmm. like a headshot at maybe it was 20 yards or a 30, 30-ish yard. What was open target? Yeah, open target. Or a, like a fat, like the, the swingers were pretty spicy, I'll say, but you know, you probably wanted to shoot some extras on those, but there was a swinger that was past 20 yards that was pretty quick that, um, yeah, that one's pretty tough to hit, but that was the hardest stuff in the match. Most of it was not like that. Most of it was all very makeable. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's worth talking about. Because, I mean, talk a little crazy. Look at some matches. Oh, we were talking when we were there about a person that had a stage win at a uh, at a at a, a more noteworthy match, I suppose. And it was a stage win with two misses. And he was, like, happy to get out alive with two misses. It's like, that's, yeah, like, that, what are we even doing here? That's that's bad stage design, honestly. Like it, in my it's terrible. Absolutely. Or the person that designed that stage doesn't actually understand shooting properly <laughs> and understand what well okay being honest like people that design like bad stages like that maybe they don't understand what shooting is capable or people are capable of so i do think ben in deciding those designing those stages have a very good idea of what shots people are able to make and what what people are capable and that greatly I don't know. Stage design definitely benefited from that. Is that fair to say, Ben? Uh, well, I hope so. Yeah. You guys were going to try different resetting also, I think, right? Oh, yeah, we did. I mean, some squads followed that, and I think the ones that did liked it. So we had the bottom of the shooting order doing the resetting. Meaning as soon as you shoot, when, you, when you're done shooting, you're up to reset for like two, three, four people. Yeah. Then you are free to go. And you kind of explained that to all the squads, and then some did it and some did not, right? Well, that was anticipated. Like, that was yeah. anticipated. But yeah, yeah, it was explained, you know, as best I could. Yeah. And then if you follow that order, you were free to. We had uh, Brian from Hunter's HD was there. So if they wanted to go over, like, check out glasses, they want to go get something to drink, they wanted to sit in the shade and rest, they want to go check out the next stage over because that has a, an activator sequence, they weren't anchored to their squad. Once you're done and you've helped reset, you could just go watch the next squad shoot a stage if you want to see an activator or the plans they're using or go talk to your homeboys that are two bays down. I mean, whatever. Uh, I should say Brian interviewed both Joel and I for his podcast. Separately? Yes. Separately, yes. Okay, nice. So, so we'll uh, see those coming out soon? Mm, yeah, I think in the next, next uh, I don't know, month, month or, so. or something. Like that. Yeah. yeah, I was happy with how the match went. There's a couple little issues, but for the most part... It went well, and I was happy, and uh, and I think people appreciated a little different style of uh, stage design for sure.
So next year? Uh, I don't have the match next year. Okay. It's going somewhere else. Uh, but I do plan to put out for training group a stage design kind of talk through of Kim's footage shooting the match. So if you're a training group member, look forward to that because that will be coming as well. And Professor will have a talk through, right, of of your like stage plans also and why you chose the plans you did. Yes, absolutely. You know, of course. Excellent. Well, guys, I don't think there's anything else to talk about, is there? Oh, it's another bang up podcast. It was a bang up podcast. I'm so happy. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're. Well.